0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We want to welcome you to Synod, 2019 Synod. And this is a very, very watershed moment for you. You may not know it, but I believe that this is a watershed moment for you. I don't think it's just for you. I think it's for Zimbabwe. God has prophesied. There's been words that have been spoken. And sometimes it's hard to continue to do good in evil times. The Bible says, don't become weary in well-doing. And there are people that have become weary. Uh, we have one of the pastors in our city, and he became weary. How many of you know that you'd never take your life. I don't care what you do wrong, you don't take your life. I know we get overwhelmed sometimes, we can be overburdened, and we think that God could never forgive us for something. God will forgive you for anything and everything. And it's important that we, you know, weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. But It's important that we as pastors and we as leaders, that we come together and that we have places we can go to. There should have been somebody that that man could have gone and spoken to and said, hey, man, I'm in a really bad place. and I feel like taking my life. You know, when the details come out, we'll find out that maybe in his mind it was very, very serious. But let me tell you something. In the heart of our God, there's nothing that's serious. And there's nothing God can't heal. There's nothing God can't fix. Amen. So I want you to be encouraged today. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to bless one another. We're here to lift each other. We're here to uh, recalibrate. Every synod, we recalibrate. We reset our compass. We reset the focus of the ministry. We want to run into this new year, 2020. 5780, which happens now. 5780, we're going into the Jewish New Year. But we have to understand there's some very powerful things happening in this New Year. It's a whole shift, it's a whole new decade. And what we lacked and what we lost in the first 10 years of a new century, I think we're going to make up in the second 10 years. So, I don't think you need to be disturbed. I don't think you need to be worried. I believe that when iniquity and when sin and when the enemy comes in like a flood, that's when God decides to raise up a standard. And the standard that he's raising is you and I. The standard he's raising is his word through you and I, his spirit through you and I. And so God needs yielded vessels. God needs men and women who say, wait a minute, I'm not going to live any other way but the kingdom way. So I believe that this kingdom way is a very important way. So this week, we're going to be dealing with the kingdom of God. We're going to be dealing with kingdom issues. Uh, The whole focus of God's message of the gospel was a kingdom message, a message of a new kingdom, translating you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son into the kingdom of light. And sometimes uh, we get stuck in the journey of coming out of darkness into light. Sometimes we we forget. Sometimes we go back. And and we're not those that shrink back. We're not those that go back. We're those that press on. And I think it's time to renew a commitment. I think it's time to renew vision. I think it's gonna be a great time for us to fellowship together, challenge one another. But I, I wanna set the atmosphere this morning And so for the next three mornings, I'll be teaching, and I'll be just sharing, and I'm going to be really just delving into these kingdom principles, seven kingdom principles that I think can change our lives. Amen? But before I do that, I want to uh, read a prophecy that came yesterday morning. I don't know if you follow a woman. Her name is Lana Vosser. Have you ever heard of Lana Vosser? Anyway, she's a very powerful prophetess, and uh, she declared a a prophecy on the 25th of September. Go ahead and sit down. I'm going to read this to you, but I want you just to read it with me because I believe believe that God reveals to his prophets things that are about to come to pass, and I believe this is a prophetic word that's about to come to pass. Uh, I've been following her for about two years now, and I find her to be... Not only very biblical, not only very spiritual and very scriptural, but I find her to also be very in tune with what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying about this generation. Let me give one caveat before I read this. Just because something is prophesied doesn't mean it will necessarily happen. We must take these words to heart and bring them to pass. That's our goal is to bring these things to pass and it requires a certain lifestyle, it requires a certain commitment, it requires a certain determination, it requires a conviction, and it, defi- and it requires you and I to lead the way. Things don't just happen, they don't. life doesn't happen, life is taken. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Does that make sense? So let's just read this prophecy real quick and see what it has to say. Some of the greatest assignments or alignments of your life are going to take place at Rosh Hashanah, entering into 5780 and beyond. The Lord has been speaking so much about alignment in in this last year. As I have positioned myself before the Lord, as we lead up to Rosh Hashanah, and entering into 5780, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit whisper. There will be an acceleration of alignment that will take place at Rosh Hashanah and in the entering into the year 5780. As I continued to lean into his heart, these words thundered around me. Some of the greatest alignments of your life are going to take place at Rosh Hashanah in the year, and, and, and in the entering into 5780. Deuteronomy 11 then resounded all around me. Things that have been Out of order are going to come into order. The Lord is going to powerfully reveal misalignments. And the hand of the Lord will correct them to bring forth right and new alignments that will form a greater strength, fortification, and grace upon the people of God to step into all that he has for them. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, add to you thousands times as many as you are and bless you. As he has promised you. That's the amplified version. Uh, there's a mighty acceleration of God's of the Lord's hand, this Rosh Hashanah, to bring significant alignment and new alignments so that you can run empowered by the Holy Spirit in the next phase of your journey that God has for you. The Lord showed me glimpses of the magnitude of 2020. And the Hebraic year 5780. And what he kept repeating was, it's bigger than you realize. It's bigger than you can imagine. What I'm going to do is completely new. That new that that will require new alignment and alignments in order for you to carry what I'm going to release. Don't fight the alignment and new alignments. I saw the hand of the Lord rearranging things. I saw him removing old strategies and replacing him with new strategies. I saw the voice of God heralding and calling people out of old alignments and into new alignments. I saw the voice of the Lord calling people out of geographical locations into new geographical locations. I saw the Lord calling people out of what they have previously walked into in to steps, in, into, step out into new ventures, territories, and assignments. 5780 is going to look different for many. 2020 is not going to look like 2019 has. The Lord is doing major overhauls. It doesn't mean what one has done or or has been done in 2019 was bad or wrong. We are just crossing over into some of the greatest alignments by the hand of the Lord that we've ever seen. And it requires new alignments, new pathways, and new strategies. Don't fight the alignment and the new alignments that I lead you into. In the, in the unexpected realignments. Even in moments where I may not make sense. Or it may not make sense. Or you don't understand. Don't fight the realignment. The transition can be bumpy. But there is great joy awaiting you in these new alignments. Allow the hand of the Lord to do what he needs to do. Because he is preparing you for demonstrations of the greatest alignment and increase that you have ever seen before. I heard the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you to places where you've never been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Psalm 32 verses 8 through 10. Go ahead and look at it. Clear skies ahead. I heard the word clear skies ahead. Many have been in some of the most tumultuous storms this year and it has been intense on every side but there is an ending to the storm that is about to take place. The storm is about to pass. Isaiah 65 resounded loudly in my spirit around me. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. Guys, I believe that's a word for Zimbabwe to be honest with you. There is tremendous joy that will be found in the acceleration of alignment that is about to take place over Rosh Hashanah and beyond. There is not only an increase in many ways that is going to take place. The Lord spoke to me that there there is going to be a major increase of provision for his new visions in 5780. There's going to be major wealth transfers that are going to take place where the wealth of the world will be handed to many in the body of Christ on unprecedented levels to extend the kingdom of God and to see the gospel extended throughout the earth. The Lord is going to move the go back. The Lord is going to move the hearts of those who do not even know Jesus yet to financially give into the kingdom of God and see the gospel extended. I believe that with all my heart. The Lord showed me to expect the unexpected when it comes to provision in 5780. God is going to extend the vision and give visions that are so much bigger than you have ever carried that it will be impossible for you to fulfill without miraculous provision. God is going to organize the most glorious supernatural provisions that you have ever seen. Now, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. First Corinthians two nine says, "But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him." Many have learned to steward the process, contending. But now, in momentous, a momentous shift is taking place. My people will need to engage my heart on a deeper level to learn my wisdom and how to steward increase, abundance, great favor, and provision for the extension of my kingdom and to see the harvest come in. I'm going to build in ways that have never been seen in 5780, but the wisdom must be stewarded by moving in radical obedience and embracing of my wisdom. There has never been a time for many in the body of Christ that they need to hear and know my wisdom, than they will in 57 AD and beyond. If any of you lack, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without reproach, it'll be given to him. Verse 414, 414, like you've never seen. These words, 414, like you've never seen. When I asked the Lord what he was saying, I heard the words Esther, 414. For if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish since you did not help when you had the chance. And who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this and for this very purpose. Again, I believe that's for Zimbabwe. I believe it's for every, each and every one of you as pastors in particular, that for such a time as this, God has given you a place to have voice and it's important that you exercise that voice. In this acceleration of alignment that will take place, there will be greater doors of favor that are going to open up to the body of Christ in their destiny to see the kingdom of God extended. The Lord showed me these opportunities to opening up in different ways. And when they do, step in. It's amazing how God confirms words, isn't it? What was our theme for action this year? Stand up, step out, speak out, step out, step in just another variation of the same thing. Do not, fear, do not allow fear or fear of man to stop you from stepping up and stepping out. For the Lord is going to fill the mouths of his saints with his word like never before in 5780 and beyond. And in many occasions it's going to require bold faith to speak what the Lord is speaking and taking a stand for righteousness. For kingdom values and his word like never before. For the wisdom of God will fill the mouths of his people in their obedience and surrender to what he is asking them to do. The obedience of God's people to speak and decree what he is saying and his word in 5780 is going to see the power of God bring some of the biggest shifts, deliverances, outpourings, and realignments we've ever seen. You will also declare a thing and it'll be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Job 28, 28. You can look at that. 20, 20, 28. I heard him say, all of heaven will back you in your obedience. There'll be a greater battle for the nation or the nations in 5780. Intercede and decree. I heard these words. There'll be a greater battle for the nations in 5780. Intercede and decree. The wave of travail for nations is going to increase significantly in 5780 for nations. The weightiness of his heart for the nations and urgency to be Only speaking his word over the nations will increase. God will be opening greater revelation of what's written in the books of heaven over nations and strategy for how to pray and major increases in intercessory assignments and prophetic acts into nations will take place to see ground broken open. But I heard the Lord say, don't be alarmed by the trembling and shaking of the nations in 5780. Intercede and release what I'm speaking to see my hand prepare the way for great birthing to take place. The ground may tremble in opposition, but I have decreed the new era of my glory being seen." Habakkuk 2.14. I then began to see waves of fear, of the fear of God crashing into the church and flooding into the nations as people prayed. God, has been preparing his people for this crossover into, 20, into 5780 for a long time. Can I encourage you to be intentional in your positioning to listen and receive what the Lord wants to show you, release you and his hand to align in your life as we move into 5780. With your surrender and obedience, greater encounters with Jesus and knowing him and his ways await you. Great joy awaits. Greater manifestation and activation of your destiny awaits you. Greater realms of wisdom and revelation awaits you. Jeremiah thirty-three thirty-three. But it requires your response. It requires your surrender, obedience, and positioning of the heart before him. 5780, a year to learn and of and proclaim my ways in unprecedented ways. I feel the Lord heavily in this crossover into 5780. Lord, make us ready. So I would recommend that you get her prophecy. I think you could probably read it, meditate on that. I, I believe it's a word from the Lord. I believe that we're going to see an unprecedented move of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're going to see an unprecedented move in our church. I think in our nation. Uh, God has given me promises Uh, I know that God's timetable is not my timetable, but God has promised me certain things, and one of the reasons I am still here is because God has made some very, very significant and specific promises over my life, over this church, and over this nation. And uh, I I don't believe that we're here in vain. I believe that we're here for a purpose, and uh, I have a resolve in my heart to obey God and see his kingdom come, his will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. So today I want to just take you through some thoughts, some ideas, and it's a retooling. Uh, today I, w- I want you to understand: if you don't have the right knowledge, you are going to fail in life. It's not about getting knowledge. We live in the in the information age, and the information age is uh, very deceptive because people think that just because you have information that it's true. But information isn't true. In fact, much of the information that is out there is actually fake news, disinformation, misinformation, uh, agenda-driven information. And so what God wants us to have is a knowledge of the truth, a knowledge of his word, a, a knowledge of the day that we live in, a knowledge of the, uh, the hour, the, uh, the seasons, the time that we live in, and, 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 and he's quick to reveal that to us. But if you're reading from the wrong manuscript, if you're reading for, or if you're listening from the, 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 the wrong uh, areas, you're, you're gonna be deceived. And there's a lot of deception out there. There's a lot that is taking place in the church and the church world. And there's a lot that's taking place in the world itself that is nothing short of just pure deception. And so I want to have us this week Recalibrate ourselves to the only thing that is really truth, and that's the Word of God. God gave a sure Word of prophecy. He gave us a sure Word, and the the Word of God is the sure Word of prophecy. And so, I want us to refocus on the Word of God. I want to focus on some of the things that God has said to us in the past, and uh, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about our own nation and what the kingdom should look like in Zimbabwe. So. When we look at the nation of Zimbabwe, many people see it as a failed nation. In fact, we've been a failed nation five or six times. Uh, I think they just keep rolling it over now uh, with the United Nations. We're called a failed nation. And, and, and I think that we're failing today. I don't see much hope in the natural for the way our government runs the nation. But that's because they're not managing anything, they're just whatever they're doing, but there's no management, okay? But they're, they're definitely not running a nation. They don't have the capacity, they don't have the will, and the nation's far too wealthy to be as poor as we are. But when we're poor like this, it's easy to be controlled. So there has to be a rising up and a voice of wisdom and a voice of revelation that speaks into the situation, and some courageous men and women that model and demonstrate kingdom activity. So when we think of the kingdom of God, when we think of, uh, in fact, when we think of Zimbabwe, let's first of all look at that. If I were to ask you to take out a piece of paper and draw a line down the center of the piece of paper and list on one side all of the advantages that there are, of living in Zimbabwe, all the things that make Zimbabwe a great nation, and then put all the disadvantages on the other side. I can promise you this, that by the time you finish, as long as you think about that, by the time you finish it, the advantages would far outweigh the disadvantages. The wealth of this nation, the magnitude of its resources, the magnitude of its people, that would be an amazingly lopsided Piece of paper, the, the, the pros would far outweigh the cons, the advantage, far outweigh the disadvantage side of the nation. Why? Zimbabwe is rich in mineral resources. It's filled with fertile agriculture, ranch lands. It has good infrastructure. Even as broken as our infrastructure is, I'll tell you, it's better than most of Africa. And its people are known for a high level of education. For the first 20 years after independence in 1980, the per capita gross domestic product was twice the average of other sub-Saharan African nations. Can you imagine that? We were twice as powerful, twice. Our GDP was twice as much as every other sub-Saharan African nation. In fact, compared with other African countries, Zimbabwe at that time was considered to be wealthy. Now this picture only changed in the year 2000 when we began to implement policies that began to change the very fabric of our nation. And you began to break down the very institutions that made the nation great. We've had that breakdown of institutions ever since. To where today, the tax base is almost non-existent. Today, Every company that is trying to run their company is overtaxed and has the hand of some politician in their pocket paying bribes. And it's almost impossible to do business. The government has regulated things to the extent that nothing works. Government doesn't know how to run businesses. They're not business people. They should never be in business. They, and it's obvious, by the way, that everything runs in this ca- country. Nothing runs. Even so much as to say that recently, now we're telling people that they can't use their own money. And and, and and these are even the cronies of government that can't. This is ridiculous. It's pure folly. And it will not last. It cannot last. It will change. Now, how it changes, I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying it cannot last. You cannot run a nation the way this nation's being the nation's not being run it's just being left to the folly of these people and we make these political we make slogans politically that are ridiculous so what is the alternative Zimbabwe has been through massive economic breakdown many many times The value of our Zimbabwe dollar plunged so much in 2008 that the hyperinflation has never been achieved by any other nation. We have the record. Hope to God nobody ever has to break that record. And at that time we were reporting a GDP, but it was such an inaccurate statistic because we had the fastest shrinking economy in the world. And it was only exacerbated by the historic global economic shakeup of 2008, where the bubble burst, okay? But the ongoing mismanagement in our nation explained the increasing poverty and the starvation of Zimbabweans in the first decade of the 20th century. We've had over 5 million Zimbabweans immigrate from the nation. That is unacceptable, In the first 20 years of post-independence, when Zimbabwe still had a fairly strong economy, the puzzle I constantly constantly observed and the thing I contemplated was why is there so much poverty in this potentially extremely wealthy country? Why was the unemployment rate and why is it still well over 80%? Why did inflation rise from 32% in 1998 to an unbelievable 231 million percent 10 years later? Why is it that even today we cannot keep tabs on our currency? Why? Well, in his book, Culture Matters, and I'd like to quote Lawrence Harrison, he makes fascinating comparison between two countries, Ghana and South Korea. Now, almost 70 years ago, at the end of the Korean War, both of these countries had nearly the same rock-bottom GDP. Both were Christianized at the same time. They both had a revival. So why does South Korea have the 12th largest economy in the world while Ghana remains in poverty? Could the answer lie in that piece of paper that lists advantages and disadvantages? Or perhaps the answer may be found not just in the natural wealth, but also in the need for a cultural and spiritual awakening. See, the difference is that South Korea experienced a cultural and spiritual awakening that they implemented into the daily lives of the people, where Ghana did not. Although they got born again and they had a spiritual revival, they did not implement biblical principles. They held on to cultural values. Culture matters. Zimbabwe has done the same thing. Although we call ourselves a Christian nation, 85% Christian by EFZ standards, we are far from Christian. In the way that we carry ourselves and far from the values of Christianity. These are not kingdom values that are being espoused. And many of our brothers and sisters, many of those that we preach to, and some of you that are here as pastors, compromise yourself around your culture and do not live the gospel of the kingdom. Nor do you preach Accurately the word of God, because you're compromising for culture's sake. And we cannot do that and see the kingdom of God come and be established in Africa, and particularly in Zimbabwe. Long ago, when the Lord spoke to me about issues that Zimbabweans faced on a daily basis... I felt compelled to address them. My early years of ministry, he taught me that, you know, pat answers, simple maxims, just, you know, that's why I don't really like things like God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. Because we're very, very good in Africa at cliche. We're very, very good at saying the right thing but doing the wrong thing. We're very, very good at intellectualizing everything, but not taking it to heart. And God really began to speak to me that when people are traumatized by war, by drought, by devastation, by violence, by psychological warfare on a daily basis, they needed unchangeable and proven truths to live their lives by, something, a grounding that could not be shaken or moved. They need to have an encounter with the word of God. We need more than ever to go back to the foundation, the sure bedrock of the word of God. And so I want to encourage you as pastors, especially that we grab a hold of the word of God. Could that be the answer for our society? Could it be that this would let the people out of the box that they were locked into? Could this turn people loose in every aspect of our society, every area? See, Jesus taught his disciples to pray a certain prayer. He said, pray this, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God had a prayer. Jesus had a prayer. He said, this is what I want you to pray, that my kingdom would come, that my will would be done on earth. Folks, I want you to know something. That mandate has never changed. God has a kingdom that he wants to establish on earth. Its values are those principles that we find in the scriptures. We want to adhere to those. He promised us to establish an everlasting kingdom that would never pass away. And uh, I don't know, do I have Psalm 145, 13 up there? It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all that he promises and faithful in all that he does. Boy, I want to align with that scripture. I want to be with a God who is faithful in all that he does. Daniel, tw- Daniel 7, verse 27, verses 26 and 27 says this, but the court will sit. Now, the courts of heaven are going to sit. They are sitting. You and I have bold access into that courtroom. And his power will be taken away, the de- enemy's power, and the The power of wicked people will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. Who? To the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. But guys, what's the condition here? That we have some holy people of God holy people of the most high there has to be a remnant there has to be a group of people that stand up that boldly declare that live the life you know my greatest concern right now is that I see so much of the world creeping into the church that the church is no longer standing out as a beacon of truth and honesty and like no no we're trying to be like the world You know, we have the latest and greatest rock stars going on to the stages of the church. I'm not even sure they even know what a consecrated or sanctified life is, but they're, they're becoming the role model for another generation. Not a holy preacher. Not a preacher who stands up and says, wait a minute, I'm going to declare to you truth in spite of what you may want or like We're trying to bless a generation by becoming like them. That's not the gospel. Jesus didn't say, I'll be like you. He says, no, come and be like me. We're to be like Christ. Jesus says, be separate. Come out from amongst them. Be holy as I am holy. These, 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 are, these are words of God. Bonnie and I, when we first started this church, believed that if we asked that he would show us exactly how to inaugurate his kingdom in our cities, in the provinces, in the states, and through the nations. We began building people and building dreams so that we could build the kingdom of God. We started to teach young people that it wasn't enough to get a job, but that they could carve out a destiny. We taught some of you when you, and you were young, that you didn't have to just work, and it's not wrong to work for someone, but you didn't have to, you didn't have to. You could actually have a purpose beyond a job. See, many of you grew up in the British schooling system That equipped you to work inside the system. And the system was designed to keep you adequately poor. Controlled. Happy and content at a certain level so that you could be controlled. That you would never have real power. That you would never have real determination, self-determination. And never come to self-efficacy. And many settle for that. And it's not wrong. I'm not saying that it's not wrong to have a good job and that you can't be effective serving in the kingdom of God. But there are others of you that God destined to carve a way that would employ thousands of people, hundreds of people, that would create vehicles, that would have voices, that power would listen to. Instead, we're all listening to so-called powerful people that can't even figure out how to fix the lights that we paid for a couple of years ago that are supposed to work by solar power. We have no electricity. We can't even pay for the chemicals to have water in the nation. These are the basic, basic tenets of a good governance. And we don't, can't even do that. And yet we're supposed to listen to these people. We're supposed to follow them. But where are they leading us? There is no leadership. Therefore, the nation is desperately in need of people that will stand up and say, wait a minute. The king is naked. Long live the king. But it's time for us to say, we need some, and I'm not talking about anarchy. I'm not talking about overthrowing the government. I'm talking about, hey, enough is enough. They're all, they're fresh out of answers. And all the rhetoric and everything they put in the newspaper is just propaganda. Oh, we've done this. You have, you've done nothing and you're doing nothing. We're open for business. We're not open for business. We're not open for anything. We, can, we don't even have electricity. Don't tell me we're open for business. It's ridiculous. Now, when when, when things are kind of working, you think we're going somewhere, but it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And none of them seek God. Not one is seeking God. And that's where the error is, because we pay lip service to God, but we do not seek Him. And it's in the church, the sickness is in the church, even in our churches. Oh, no, you have to bribe. You have to be corrupt. Yeah, and that's exactly why the nation's in the state it's in. Because Christians don't believe the Bible. And we wink at it like it's okay. Because, hey, it's just the way it is. No, that is not what brings revival. That is not what brings change. That is not the kingdom of God. God is looking and desperately in need of men and women that he can show himself strong on their behalf, that'll stand up for principle. And I believe that those men and women are in this auditorium this morning. It doesn't take many. God's not limited to save by many or by few. It doesn't take many, it just takes a few that are willing to lay down their lives for the cause of Christ. We taught that it wasn't enough to be an employee, but that you could be an employer. It's not enough to work for money, but you could begin to put money to work for yourself. We taught that it wasn't enough to get a good education, but that you needed to become an educator. It wasn't enough to have the power to vote, but you needed to be actively involved in the political process. You see, it's the kingdom of God where reformation takes place. And God began showing us that the kingdom of God couldn't come through government. It could only come through the church. It's only through the church can reformation take place. And if we're going to see reformation in Zimbabwe, I can tell you it's not going to come from the people that are in power. Because they have no power to reform. It's been proven that they cannot reform. They had their chance. There was a coup. The goodwill of the whole nation was behind them. But they had their chance. And they didn't capitalize on it. And they're not capitalizing on it. So what does the nation need? It needs a move of the Holy Spirit. It needs almighty God to show up. It needs a people that will turn their hearts to the one source of an answer, the word of God with our whole hearts. Now, when Bonnie and I began teaching, some of the things that we take for granted today uh, we, of course, we weren't the first ones or, or the only ones hearing uh, what we were hearing. Uh, there were a handful of places around the world, uh, a small and usually misunderstood group of people that were talking about breaking the church out of the four walls and bringing kingdom principles into business, into agriculture, into medicine, into church, into government, family, education, finance, science, technology, sports, entertainment, the arts, every sphere of the world. Back then we had 12 domains, I called them. That's long before I ever heard about, I don't know, what is it, seven mountains, 10 mountains, what is it, I, I don't know. Uh, ten, anyway, seven, ten, twelve. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I, it, it, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with the seven mountains. That's fine. Uh, but there's still 12 dominions. Uh, th- I, I think that what God was saying was the same thing. That, hey, get outside of the four walls of the church and make a difference. Take my kingdom. Oral Roberts said, go where the light is dark where it's dark, bring my light to a people that I've never heard. I'll tell you what, our our nation has heard a lot of preaching, but I don't know if they've ever seen the kingdom at work. This message has run into opposition. (laughs) There's a lot of people that don't believe the church has any business being involved in these domains. I've been threatened by more than one so-called leader that don't tell our people these things. We like it this way. Yeah, of course you like it this way. You like manipulating, controlling, and dominating people. Keeping them under so you can prosper while there's a two-tier system of government two-tier system of uh, the legal system, two-tier system of finance. If you're a minister or a crony of the current government, you can get anything you want. But if you're not, well, you're on a different tier. You're on a different system. And we will tell you how to live. No, you don't have that right to tell me how to live. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to run a nation, a government, so that I can live the way that God designed me to live. Some of you are clapping nervously. I can see that. So I, Bonnie and I believe that, we believe then and we believe, I believe so even more now that the church has no business staying out of these arenas. We must be in these arenas. In fact, the history of Africa proves that only the kingdom of God can bring lasting change in these arenas. There is no hope apart from it. Renaissance Renaissance cannot happen without reformation. We've seen God raise up a whole new generation of leaders And I believe he's raising up a whole group of people, even this generation, this new generation, in areas and arenas of our society. And they're learning to stand up for righteousness. They're learning to stand up and speak about a righteous God. They're standing up to defend their natural and spiritual families against all adversaries. These are men and women of integrity, and they've made decisions to live by biblical standards. But they need voices, they need pastors, they need leaders that will uphold strong biblical standards, strong words of God from our pulpits that they can stand on every week, every day as they go out and do battle in the marketplace. And that's why you and I as leaders have got to have a true word. We've got to be refreshed in the spirit. We've got to be powerful men and women of God. If we're going to be leaders, we've got to be ahead of the pack. We've got to be ahead of the curve. We've got to believe what we're preaching. We can't just simply get up and parrot out some sermon that we picked up on the internet. Or we heard some preacher preach last week and we're just rehashing it. No, it's got to be a, a live, powerful word that we as pastors, we as leaders, have chosen to live by ourselves. I believe that God is taking some of our people. In fact, I experience this all the time in our church, that God is taking so many of our men and women and placing them in strategic positions where they make really big differences in our country, really big differences in some of the policies that are being presented in, in the culture itself. We have many people that are being instrumental in bringing about a true reformation. But it's not fast enough. We, we need more, and we need to help these that are so strong stay strong because they're being persecuted. Every time they raise their head, let me tell you something, it is not an easy fight. Ungodly men do not want godliness. Ungodly people do not want truth. Thieves and liars and corrupt people do not want to be told that they are thieves and liars and corrupt. They want the church to say, oh, you're doing such a good job. You're doing a terrible job. Put it on record. This is a hell of a way to run a nation. And it's not being managed. It's not being run. And we're not seeking God. And we just keep thinking that we could just say something else. And the ideas are almost ridiculous now. We're supposed to sit here and, oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, ooh, that's a plot. Oh, it's simple. Everything's simple. Nothing is simple. We need a wisdom from above. We need knowledge of God. We need understanding. And we need the wisdom of God if we're going to solve the nation's problems and the nation's issues. Don't shut me down, because I'm preaching real good this morning. When the apartheid in South Africa was dismantled, which was the last nation on this continent to be under the yoke of colonialism, there was a great cry that came out of Thabo Mbeki, the second president of that nation, for an African renaissance. Although there needs to be an enlightenment, and I believe this could be the season when Africa begins to shine, Renaissance can never happen without a reformation. The reformation precedes preceded the Renaissance. The Reformation was the move of the Holy Spirit on the hearts of men that began to change the doctrines by which men lived their lives that brought about an enlightenment that caused the Renaissance to take place. Somehow, Africa believes that education will solve their problems. That, that, not, that just pure knowledge will solve their problems. I'm telling you, knowledge has not solved our problems. In fact, we have some of the most educated men leading our country and they can't solve the problems. It's not knowledge we need, it's wisdom we need. It's wisdom that comes from God and the knowledge of God that we need. And it's up to you and I as pastors and preachers to lead the church and to lead our people into the knowledge of God, into the wisdom of God. And to ask God to empower our words, that we be bold to speak, not ashamed of the gospel, and not afraid of men that have lost their way. We need a reformation of the very principles upon which all of society is based. Not only in Zimbabwe, but in every nation. I believe every nation of the world. We've gone so far from the truth. The Bible says truth has fallen in the streets. The role of the church is twofold. Firstly, it's to fully receive the Lord Jesus into our hearts and lives and into the fabric of the church. And so when we do, we receive power to become the son's of God, the children of God. John 1, verses 11 and 12, or 1 through 11 through 13 says this. It says, he came to that which was not his own, but that, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Folks, we need to have a revelation that we are born of God. We are born of the Spirit. We are the sons and daughters of Almighty God. Our church needs to know what it means to be born of the Father, born again. What it really means, we have to preach the gospel of salvation, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this is the first and most important thing that God gave us to do as the church, is to let people know that they are sons and daughters, children, children of Almighty God. Is anybody listening today? Now, this initially takes place in the heart of a person, an individual's heart, but then this change has a knock-on effect because when one heart is changed, it begins to affect the family. It begins to affect our marriages. It begins to affect our communities. It begins to affect our church. When you get people really in love with Almighty God, really becoming sons and daughters of God, they become brothers and sisters to each other. They want to be with each other. They learn how to be with each other. The basic building blocks. These blocks are the agencies that God uses to bring about transformation to our core values, the very core of who we are. And therefore, it changes our lifestyles. One of the things that I don't like to see is that people come to church and their lifestyle doesn't change, but they want the preacher to mold his message to their lifestyle. Hey, I got a big crowd on Sunday. Why? Well, because you know what? I preach what those people wanna hear. I preach to make them feel comfortable. I want them to come to, you know what? I want everybody to come to church too, and I want you to feel comfortable at church. But you know what? You can't stay comfortable in church. You can't just come and and, and this can't be a gathering place for me to keep you comfortable. Somewhere along the line, you must be confronted with the selfishness of sin, the selfishness of your heart, and come to a knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and no longer live for yourself, but live for him. No longer live for yourself, but live for others. Because that is the true gospel. That's what God does when he touches a man's heart. I still think my preaching is better than your amen The second and equally important role of the church is to bring this vital gospel of Jesus Christ, this message of the kingdom, not only to the church, not only to the sinner, but to the world. The Bible told us that we're to make disciples of all nations, of all nations. This gospel is sent to change the value system of the world, to bring a reformation in the core values of nations. Centuries ago, Martin Luther brought reformation to the church. The church in turn turn, changed the society around it, producing a dynamic economic development that has affected Europe and North America. What you see in Europe and North America is a direct result of the preaching of the reformers. Men's hearts were reformed. Those people in Europe were in the dark ages. The medieval crisis that they had found themselves, the darkness of their day, when the, when, when, when the word of God enlightened them, when the church came alive, it enlightened all of Europe. And with it came economic prosperity that hasn't stopped. Europe and America are the product of the economic blessing that came through the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work ethic, the Protestant work ethic, not the Catholic work ethic, the Protestant work ethic. The Southern parts of of Europe are still less prosperous than the Northern because of the control that the church had. The Northern gave control to the people, to the individual. There's a man named Mariano Grando, uh, Grandona, and he writes this. He says, It was more than a Protestant Reformation, it was a Protestant cultural revolution that changed the map of Europe by affecting all the nations that had been ranked as second rank nations Holland, Switzerland, Great Britain, Scandinavian countries, Prussia, and the former British colonies of North America. Economic development followed the cultural awakening in the form of the Industrial Revolution, and with it came power wealth and prestige to a new group of leaders. I want you to know it was not the renaissance of Italy or the Vatican or France that ushered in the change. It was a reformation based solidly on kingdom principles. I'll tell you what, before we see another renaissance take place, we need another reformation. We need a reformation just like Babylon was shaken by the influence of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who would not bow When the king said, you must bow to the God I made. I will not bow to the God our nation is making. We're making a God. We make decrees that are so ungodly that are affecting the lives of so many. While our people are suffering, we have people flying all over the nation, all over the world taking our precious resources and using them as they see fit. Not for the people, not for the nation, but for themselves. This is sinful. It is wrong. We need something and preachers that'll preach like Charles and John Wesley who changed the whole character of England because they preached the gospel. Just like America was impacted by spiritual awakenings in the 18th and 19th century, it's time for the church in Africa to clearly spell out the principles of reformation for Africa. All of the isms, the ism that our nation has adopted, scientific socialism, we've adopted it as our religion. It is our religion. Our leaders are scientific socialists by religion. It is a religion. Communism is a religion. All the isms, from colonialism to communism, have been tried. And they've been proven wanting on the African continent. Now, I believe it's time for the deeply spiritual African people who are crying out for substance, who are crying out for spiritual reality. I want you to know something. This isn't something that religion can offer. We don't need more religion. We have enough religion. Religion, no matter what brand, is simply man's attempt to reach God. What we need today are men and women of conviction. Men and women who will take this gospel at all costs and preach it. I believe today there's a great awakening in the hearts of Africans, of all nations, creeds, genders, tribes, and denominations. They want to look past their differences. They want to focus on the common denominator. Principles that are set forth clearly in the word of God. That will bring genuine reformation. These principles are the only hope for the dismantling of the deep-seated corruption. Jealousy, intimidation, genocide, ethnic cleansings, authoritarianism, tribal factionalism, and many other isms that have ravaged and beset Africa. And until they are dismantled, we will not see this great African Renaissance take place at all. To do this, I believe it'll take a new breed of believers willing to live by conviction and not preference by principle and not culture. Through their actions, they will challenge the status quo. Through their righteous dissent, righteous dissent, they will overthrow corruption, greed, and evil. For a nation to progress, there are certain elements that must be reflected in its culture. And until these elements are a part of the fabric of the society, that society will not be in a position to develop. The reason Zimbabwe has not developed is not sanctions. That's a lie. It's because we have a really, really bad social culture. Kingdom generated reformation must include kingdom principles and I'll pick those principles up tomorrow with you and we'll go through seven kingdom principles, amen? In the meantime, thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.